Thank you, Lord. Good morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Ray. Have we met? Uh, glad to be with you and uh, thank God for this wonderful opportunity. Thank you to Pastor Chris for the opportunity to minister to you today. Um, quite a weekend this weekend. Uh, Friday morning, I had the, the privilege of going to Brooklyn, New York and uh, uh, preaching the uh, funeral service for our dear friend and brother, Wendell Sweet. And uh, that, that was a precious time, uh, time much appreciated by his family and friends that gathered together there. Uh, Jerry, I'm getting some kind of ringing up here, if you can try to unring that. <laughs> and then uh, yesterday, whether you realize it or not, was a very significant day. Yesterday was FCC's 44th anniversary. And we give God thanks. A group of 12 people that met at the East Providence Grange Hall, which I, I don't think, I know the Grange Hall is not in existence. I don't know about the building. Building still there? Yeah. And uh, thank God from, from that very start to this very day, there's some amazing stories to be told. But the best part of the news is there, there's a whole lot of story to be written. I said there's a whole lot of story to be written. So we thank God, uh, appreciate the, the laborers that, that have gone before us and those on, whom show, on whose shoulders we stand. Thank God for Pastor Sam and Donna Smith, their obedience to God, to, to move up to this foreign part of the country to them and, uh, and get this work established. Always remember, oh my goodness, you cannot emphasize this enough. Always remember that someone else's obedience might be depending on your obedience. Someone else's obedience might just be depending on your obedience. So that when you obey God, and God allows, uh, uh, allows you to be part of the positioning of something or the setting up of something or the, the laying the foundation of something. That can open the opportunity for others who come after to be able to go ahead and do what they're destined to do and build on that very same foundation. But if there's not a foundation there, you see how one person's obedience can be affected by the obedience or the lack thereof of another. So important. So what's the lesson to be learned? Obey God. Obey God. Stop, drop, and obey. You heard of stop, drop, and roll? I'm introducing to you today, stop, drop, and obey. Hallelujah. Praise his holy name. So we thank God so much for, for what he's done and uh, what he's about to do. But but knowing that this was our anniversary weekend, I really had a sense from the Lord to go in this particular direction that we're going to go today. And so I want you to go ahead and look at Second Peter chapter 1, and that's where we're going to get started. And after we read this, then I'll tell you what we're going to do. 
So I'll leave you on the edge of your seat for another minute here. Second Peter chapter one. If you got your paper Bible, look it up. If you got your phone, look it up. If you want to just follow the screens, it's on the screens. But here we go. Start with verse three. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence add to your faith. Virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Wow. Sometimes you just read the scripture and end up saying nothing but wow when you're done. But I um, really, really believe that that, uh, the the importance of what the Lord uh, wants to communicate to us at this period of time is wrapped up in those words, add to your faith. Someone say it with me. Add to your faith. Your faith. Now, one thing I want to make very clear is that you never get away from faith. Faith is the foundation of this house. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is the foundation upon which other things get built. I mean, here's the thing. You can't please God without faith. How do just people live? The Bible says in multiple locations, the just shall live by faith. The apostle Paul said that we walk by faith and not by sight. He said we have the spirit of faith. There's a whole lot in the word regarding faith. So you never do without faith. You never get to the point where you don't need faith anymore, but the Bible does tell you to add to your faith. And that is the the significant uh, emphasis that I believe the Spirit of God has for us today, is to go ahead and add to our faith. We've got a solid foundation of faith as a church. But the thing is, is that despite the solid foundation that we have in faith as a church, 
You know, when a new baby comes into the church, they don't know anything about faith. They don't know everything that the person who's been around 30 years knows. That's why it's the job of pastors to always preach, 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 and it comes around again and they're preaching something again. Why? Because there's always babies in the church that have never heard something before that need to get it. And then there's grown-ups that think they got it that need to hear it again. Hey. <laughs> so there, there's always a need in pastoral ministry where, where you, you might have hit it once, but you're going to need to hit it again. And uh, that's the reason why, because there's always new people in the church that have not heard certain things and certain principles from the word. And there's people that are in the church that need another dose. <laughs> I've always laughed about the example one preacher used uh, who said, well, no, I, I, I'm good with broccoli. I had that back in 89, you know. <laughs> no, the broccoli you had in 89 is not doing you good here in 2023. All right. <laughs> hey. So, so we see the need to be able to hear things from the word and, uh, and to hear them over and over again. But here, uh, the, the emphasis of the apostle Peter is to add to your faith these things. And what did he say about them? He, 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 he gave a list of things to add to your faith. And he said that if you do add them, you will be useful and fruitful. In the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sounds good to you. Sounds good to me. Useful and fruitful. And if you don't add them to your faith. You'll be short-sighted. Even to the point of blindness. You'll forget that you were cleansed from your old sins. As a matter of fact. That reminded me of something that the apostle James said. About the person who does not do the word. The person only hears it but does not do it. That it's like a person who looked in the mirror and walked away and forgot what kind of person they were. They forgot what they looked like. They just looked in the mirror, walked away, and forgot what they looked like. Because what God is calling us to as doers of the word is that when you see something in the mirror, when you look in the mirror and you see something, you immediately respond to that. You immediately uh, make the necessary changes that you need to make. You don't wait. You do it right away. You don't let it sit there. You do it right away. Because otherwise, you know what you're going to be doing? You're going to be looking in the mirror, walking away, forgetting what you saw, and going through the rest of your day with that piece of lettuce stuck between your teeth. (laughs) Now, in the natural, it's nice to have some friends that are real friends that would tell you, You want to say there's something your eye tooth is not seeing right now, but I'm seeing it, you know. (laughs) Uh, But I got to tell you, spiritually speaking, so many times you look in the word, you see something, it's clear, but you're you're not immediately doing something about it. And when you don't immediately do something about it, you forget it. Why? Because guess who comes immediately? You may not be doing your part immediately, but somebody is doing his job immediately because when the word gets planted, Satan comes immediately to steal. So rather than letting him have the advantage in the immediate, why don't we have the advantage in the immediate? 
if we put the word to practice immediately, then he never has the chance to steal it. Glory to God forever. Yeah. Now, if we add these things to our faith, the Bible says we'll make our calling and election sure. Or our calling will be stable, firm, and steadfast. And if we add these things to our faith, we'll never fail or stumble. And you might say, well, Pastor Ray, does that mean I'll never make a mistake? I believe what it means is this. It's not that you're suddenly going to become Mr. or Miss Perfect. But you'll never make a mistake that's fatal. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, you'll be in a position where ultimately God can carry you through to the day you stand before him where you'll have a description of you that sounds like something that Jude said in his one chapter. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. And I'll tell you, you might think faultless. Lord, how can you take faultful and present faultful before you as faultless? That's the power of the blood, y'all. Hey, that's the power of the blood. That's the same thing where a guy like Abraham, who was uh, uh, at one point in time uh, moved by what he saw, and at one point in time what would uh, 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 would have some some second thoughts about a, a way we could help God, and, and Sarah, his wife, would say to him, "You know what? Let, let's go ahead and uh, have you hook up with Hagar, my handmaid. Maybe God's promise will come through that way." But the thing is, is that the Lord does not speak of Abraham down the road in line with the mistakes he made. No, the Lord talks about Abraham in regards to how things ultimately ended up. God, when he speaks about you long after your race down here is done, is not going to be in line with your mistakes that you made. It's going to be in line with how you finished your journey. Thank God. That's why. Finish strong. Don't quit. Don't let mistakes and weaknesses discourage you. You keep on pressing through mistakes, weaknesses. Keep on pressing through. You get to the point, you see, God's story about you is going to be told by how the story ends. Because here's the thing. This is a side journey, but God wants to talk to somebody today. Jesus is known as the Lion of the tribe of Judah has a name that is uh, affiliated with Judah forever. Well, Judah was a mess. See, Judah had uh, 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 a son who married a girl, and then he died, so the next son was marrying her. And then, you know, that was the culture of the day. And and then he died too. And, And then, so Judah said, well, I ain't letting my third son marry her even though that was supposed to be what was done. So Judah ended up uh, seeing her on the side of the road and was uh, assuming that she was just, uh, you know, working the streets one day. But she wasn't working the streets. She was working him. That's the real truth. So, so Judah said, hey, uh, you, you know what? Uh, I, I, I got this. Uh, you know, wh- wh- what do you want? He said, how about that staff and that 
um, was it a signet ring or something like that? Or, you know, something that identified Judah. And so, so he left those things with her. And you, you know the rest of the story after that. But then later on, what happened is that uh, Judah finds out that his daughter-in-law is pregnant. And said, who did this? You know, he's all indignant and stuff. <laughs> said, she shall be stoned and all that. And what did she do? I am pregnant by the man whose staff this is and whose signet ring this is. Whoops. <laughs> and a guy who at one point in his life was that messed up has uh, his name eternally affiliated with Jesus. When you hear the lion of the tribe of Judah, you think, well, Judah, you came a long way because you were once a mess. How about David? David, somebody who fell many times. Somebody who, who actually uh, wanted the, the neighbor so much that he put the neighbor's wife on the, on the I mean, I'm sorry, the neighbor's husband on the front lines of the battle. Think about that. To cover up the fact that she was pregnant with the king's child. So David had his mess too. But Jesus is eternally identified with David. He's called the son of David. The one who has the keys of David. Who shuts and no man opens and opens and no man shuts. And so you see that Jesus if he's not ashamed to be affiliated with Judah, and if he's not ashamed to be affiliated with David, I want you to know today, Jesus is not ashamed to be affiliated with you. That's not the message. But it sure is a message for somebody and maybe multiple somebodies in the house or watching by live stream today. Jesus is not ashamed to be affiliated with you. It's not about the bumps in the road along the way. It's about how the story ends. Glory to God. Now, what are these things we're supposed to add to our faith? Now we're back to our message. That, that, that was a Holy Ghost commercial out there. Well, the, the scripture says this. Uh, if we look at verse 5 through 7 again in uh, 2 Peter 1. Uh, For this very reason, giving all diligence... Now, now, this is not given a little bit of diligence, is it? You're given all the diligence you got to this. Add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. Now, we want to take a look at these things. First of all, diligence, because that's the way you got to do it. You're supposed to do this with diligence. But then the seven things that we're supposed to add to our faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance or patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. And we're going to go ahead and take the overview of these things here today. First of all, it's interesting that when... when uh, uh, when diligence is introduced here, 
it's over in verse 5, he said, giving all diligence add to your faith. That means that the way you do this, the approach you take is by giving all diligence to it. And you keep on reading and you get later in the chapter, he said, be even more diligent. So diligent is being absolutely, totally emphasized by God. Now, uh, th- this Greek word is very interesting. The, the, the New Testament was written in the Greek language. And, and uh, uh, so the, the idea of what diligence is, it's talking about eagerness, earnestness. It's talking about uh, being businesslike when it comes to something. It, it talks about being forward. You know, it's like if somebody asked you, somebody just met you, and they were asking you a, a very direct or personal question, you would say, well, that was very forward of them. But the thing is, is that in a positive sense of the word, being forward means we're not wasting any time. We need to get right down to the bottom of something. Actually, part of this word is um, to dispatch. Now, you've heard of the job of a dispatcher. And thank God for those who do so. Uh, That's somebody who needs to deal with a task or problem quickly and efficiently. Thank God for dispatchers. People that are equipped and trained to be able to know what to do, to be able to get to help somebody right away when they need it. But imagine that that is tied in to this word here, that this word for being diligent means we need to deal with the task or the problem quickly and efficiently. In other words, you don't want to be on hold when calling 911. No, because you need the, uh, the uh, if you look at it in that term, you, you need the, the rescue dispatched or the police dispatched. What their job is, is to go ahead and get out to you in a hurry what you need, who you need for what you need at that moment of uh, uh, trial or, or an accident or a health concern or whatever the case is. So, the, and the idea of this word also, besides that, it carries the connotation of speed and haste. That means you're not slow about this or, you know, well, you know, we'll get around to it. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I like to pick on this word. I'm fixing to do it eventually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you, you just stalling. That, that's, that's the real deal. But, but, but. When God has called you to do this, he means you get right to it. That's, that's the, the essence and the meaning of this word. As a matter of fact, the, the Greek word is actually pronounced spude. And of course, the way my mind works, I think, well, you got to be spude with your spude, you know what I mean? <laughs> you need to get right down to it. God's not wasting time. We can't waste time. If something needs to be dealt with, let's deal with it. And this is the means. This is the, the, uh, the preparation or the connotation in which we should approach adding these things to our faith. Not being la-la-la about it, but getting right down to it. All right? Praise the Lord. Romans twelve eleven says this. Not lagging in diligence. Woo! Not lagging. You know, you, you hear that word lagging uh, often used when somebody's lagging behind. 
No, when you're being diligent, you're not lagging behind. As a matter of fact, you're, you're right up to it, doing what you got to do and being fervent in spirit. Fervent in spirit, the word fervent means hot. That, that means we're doing something about this right now. We're not lagging behind and, and, and you, you are hot about this. Hot comes from fire because you got a spirit on fire because you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire. And you've not quenched the spirit to put the fire out. You letting the fire burn. Come on. And so in this kind of approach, that's how we are to add these things to our faith. The number one thing we're supposed to add to our faith is virtue. Meaning moral excellence. Manliness. And valor or courage. Interesting. Moral excellence, manliness, valor, courage. Now, um, when it comes to moral excellence, I like to look at it like this, that a lack of excellence will cut corners. In the same way that in the natural, you've got a contractor who's not operating in excellence. He's going to go ahead and cut corners. He's going to go ahead and look for the easy way out of something. Or, or, or the way to have something have the appearance that it's done on the outside, but when you get down to the guts of it, it ain't done right. Come on now. So a lack of excellence will cut corners, but real excellence will give attention to the detail and will put in the time necessary to make sure something gets done right. Praise the Lord. And this is our calling right earlier in this verse. One of the first verses we read in the beginning, which was Second Peter 1, 3. It says that we are called by his glory and excellence. Other translations that were called to his glory and excellence. So excellence is your calling. Excellence uh, in the way you live and the way you do things is the calling of God for you. So that's one aspect of what virtue means. This is this beautiful thing that we are adding to our faith. Now, besides that, what about manliness? Now, first of all, let's put it like this. For the sake of the girls in the house, we're just talking about being a grown-up here. So, so it, it's not, not, not a requirement for, for you as, as a woman to say, well, how can I be manly? You know, it's the idea of being a grown-up. Put your big boy pants on or your big girl pants on, whichever one qualifies. And there's only two choices. Oh, boy. All right. So uh, the, the scripture talks about uh, being, uh, he said, don't be a child when it comes to understanding. When it comes to malice, when it comes to wrongdoing, that, that's where you be a child. But when it comes to understanding, be a man. In other words, don't be skilled at stuff you ain't supposed to be skilled at to begin with. Be skilled at the kind of stuff that you are supposed to be skilled with. Be skilled when it comes to understanding. Be a grown-up in Christ when it comes to your understanding. Paul said in one place, and this is out of the New American Standard Bible, he said, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men and be strong. So the connotation for everybody is act like a grown-up. Act like, uh, you, you know, you, you're not on the, uh, you, you're not preparing to, to be out on the stage and still doing rehearsal. No, rehearsal's done now. 
The spotlight's on and you out on the stage. This is the real thing. This is not auditioning for life. This is life. Come on now. Hallelujah. And so that's the idea of us being a grown-up. Paul said it like this, 1 Corinthians 13, 11, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, for, for all of our purposes, we'll say when I became an adult, I put away childish things. Yeah. And God's been dealing with people in the house. Now, I, I could just say it and, you know, with, with a crowd this size, you know, I could make a pretty good guess that it was happening. But I'm not saying that based on the amount of people in the room. But I'm saying it with, with a, a, a higher level of authority, knowing that God's talking to somebody today. It's time to grow up and put away childish things. And it will, the, the doing of it or the lack thereof will have an effect on your marriage, have an effect on your job, have an effect on other relationships, have an effect on relationships with your children. This is big, y'all. And God is emphasizing this to somebody and somebody's today. Hallelujah. Time to put this stuff aside and time to go for the, the, uh, the, the growing up and the maturing that, that we need to do in Christ. Amen. Amen. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, said, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. See, part of growing up is you, you learn to go ahead and have to deal with some things. Well, you don't get the easy road like you used to get the easy road. But uh, you, you get to the, the point in life where even your heavenly father, with all his love and graciousness and tenderness towards you, will look at you and say, suck it up, buttercup. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. And you know, it's interesting that also in this word is courage. How many of you remember the scripture saying somewhere something about being strong and courageous? Oh, it's interesting that the place where you see it the most is in Joshua chapter 1, right when Moses died and Joshua was stepping in to the position of leading the children of Israel. And what did he say? And what did God say to him? And God repeated himself. Be strong and of good courage, he said in verse 6. In verse 7, he said, only be strong and very courageous. And then later on in verse 9, have not I commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Now, here's a good hint for all of us. When God repeats himself, Hey, when God repeats himself, pay attention. When God says it once, pay attention. But when God repeats himself, you double, triple, quadruple, pay attention. Come on now. 
something about courage, even in the face of stuff going on. You know, I love thinking about Elijah when he was on the, uh, the top uh, of Mount Carmel with prophets of Baal who were cutting themselves and going through all kinds of rituals and gyrations and stuff trying to get their God who does not exist to send down fire. And Elijah at that point, now what happened the next day, you know, he, we'll get to that in a minute. But at that point here, he was walking in confidence, absolute confidence, knowing his God was coming through, knowing that he had the real thing and they didn't, and that there was nothing they could do to make happen what they were, what, what this contest was about. When the contest was basically set up, that they had an offering on the altar, poured a whole lot of water on it, and said, the God who answers by fire, he's God. So if my God answers by fire, then he's God. And if your God answers by fire, he's God. Well, these guys went first, and they couldn't do a thing because they're God. I mean, he, he didn't have the goods because he, 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 he's nothing. But then Elijah called on the Lord, the real God, the only God, the almighty God. And fire came down and not only consumed the offering, but all the water that they poured all over the place there. Because he said, if God's going to do this, God's going to do this in style. We're going to go ahead and put a wet offering up there. So that well, there's water everywhere. And the fire of God not just burned up the wet offering, but burned up all the water around it. Just, you don't mess with God's fire. Come on. <laughs> and so you see a man who's operating with confidence. And then the next day, or within the next few days, he finds out that the evil queen Jezebel has a hit out on him. And somehow all that confidence went right out the window. And he's hiding somewhere and said, well, nobody else is serving God, and I'm the only one. What happened to all that confidence and all that boldness he had? Hold on to your confidence. Don't let it go. Sometimes you feel like it more. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. But the thing is, the most important time to press into your confidence is when you feel like going and hiding somewhere. Because this confidence is not in you. <laughs> it's not in you. The confidence is in the one who lives inside of you. Hallelujah. It's in the spirit of God who lives and dwells inside of you. You're not greater because of you. You're not special because of you. But greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. Come on. That's the thing that gives us confidence. That's the thing that gives us courage. How about knowledge? We're told to add knowledge to our faith. And hey, the learning never stops. The, the way you got faith to begin with is you knew something. Faith begins where the will of God is known. You heard the word. You gained knowledge from what you heard. You gained faith by what you heard. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So, so you got knowledge, but, but the thing is, is that we can never get to the point where the knowledge stops. We, we need to keep it going. Why? Because people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Why? Because the Bible tells us, not with just with some of your getting, with all your getting, get understanding. You know, Proverbs 11, verse 9, 
says the hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge the righteous will be delivered. Hey, hey. anybody want some deliverance? Hey, through knowledge the righteous will be delivered. Keep your knowledge of the word growing and going, going strong. Uh, Colossians 1.10 says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing, increasing in the knowledge of God. So you see, when, when a baby is first born into the kingdom, when someone's first born again comes in, I, they don't know a whole lot. And obviously so. They've just come in out of the world. People have got varying uh, degrees of uh, uh, Bible knowledge. Uh, Some some come in, uh, you know, having had some Sunday school experience. Some come in having none. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, those who are supposed to know have said that the, the area between Providence, Rhode Island, and New Bedford, Massachusetts, is one of the most biblically illiterate parts of the country. Well, then it's very important for us to talk about knowledge here. And not just talk about it, but get some. Amen. So you know what? Uh, when, when a baby comes in, a baby doesn't know a whole lot. You know, you, you can't expect a baby to know a whole lot. Someone just coming into the kingdom don't know the difference between Methuselah, Melchizedek, and Mephibosheth, and all those other M's. <laughs> and, and, uh, but, but the bottom line is that uh, when you come into the kingdom... You, you start to learn, you start to grow, you start to find out Jesus died for me. And if you ever outgrew that, then, then you, you, got, you got a problem there because you never outgrow that. Jesus died for me. God so loved the world and in the world is me. And he loved me that much that he would do that for me. He shed his blood for me. His heart is after me. But then what happens as you grow in your knowledge, then you find out that the world is not all about you. You you see, it's kind of like growing up, naturally speaking, where, you know, the, the, the baby's the center of the world and the center of attention. And then. You know, as the baby grows up, finds out, well, they're, they're, I got siblings in the house. What's up with this? Yeah. Uh, other people demanding attention, you know, where, where, where's all the attention that's getting to me? So, so even spiritually speaking, you, you're growing up and you're saying, Jesus loves me and Jesus cares for me. And look at all the wonderful things Jesus has done for me. And that's good. But then you got to realize, wait a minute, it's not all about me. The same thing Jesus has done for me, Jesus has done for them and for them and for him and for her. And it is my responsibility to share this good news with other people. So you see, as you go, as you grow, and as you know more, then you find out, ooh, it's not all about me. So you see, there's a season of time where you can go through that phase, but as you keep on knowing and you increase in knowledge, then you come to some realizations. Hey, yeah. So don't be satisfied with ignorance. Don't be satisfied with staying where you're at. Let your level of your personal knowledge of God and of the word and of how to 
love and to help people and, and your knowledge of how to let God flow through you to, to help others, let that always be on the increase and never static. Amen. Never just staying there. Amen. All right, let's have some fun now. Let's talk about self-control. Self-control. Otherwise, uh, the, the King James word, temperance. But this self-control, the, the, the word in the, uh, uh, in the Greek, uh, as it's defining it, it says, especially of sexual desire. So that means God, out of all the things that he wants to add to us, he wants us to add to our faith, one of those things is us being under self-control, especially when it comes to sexual desire. That means God does not want us to be sex crazed. God wants us to have sexual sanity. And we know that this is the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5 says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But what about self-control, especially in the, the context of being right, sexually speaking? First Thessalonians 4, verse 3, it says, For this is the will of God, even your, uh, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. There's multiple ideas about what that means, the idea of possessing your own vessel. But, uh, but to, to the, the best that, that, that I've seen as far as capturing the spirit of what's being said, uh, I look at it this way, that your vessel is your body. And that when you're walking in self-control, you're possessing your vessel. You're having to say so on what your vessel does and when your vessel does it, where it goes and when it goes and should it go and not to go and all that. Where, where, where this is about you uh, possessing your vessel. Now, now the, the problem is, is that a lot of people, their vessel possesses them. Hey, the opposite. So they're just being led around by their body. Body wants to go here, all right. Body wants to do this, all right. Body likes her, all right. Body likes her. Body likes him, body likes him. Wherever your body wants, whatever your body wants, just give it in, give it in, give into it, give into it, and all that. Man, that's crazy. That, that, that'll get you dead, hurting, crying, filled with STDs or something. So don't be one whose vessel is possessing you. Be one who's possessing your vessel. Exercising self-control. Hallelujah. Because when you do that, let, let me uh, share this verse with you. I, it's not one of the ones that are up there, but it's a good one to remember. It's out of uh, Acts chapter 15. Uh, uh, we're abstaining from sexual immorality by the early church in the meeting they had was considered one of the necessary things to emphasize and that if people would do it and if, would, if they would keep themselves from sexual immorality, that they would do well. Hallelujah. 
Glory to God. I've said it before and I'll say it again. One of the most frustrating things for a pastor is when you're trying to get single people out of bed with each other and married couples back into bed with each other. Oh, boy. I wasn't planning on going there, but I did. Praise the Lord. So that's self-control for you. How about perseverance? Perseverance, otherwise known as patience. It's cheerful or hopeful endurance. Think about that. Cheerful endurance. How can you endure and be cheerful? Well, take a lesson from Jesus. Remember the scripture said, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and despised the shame and now is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus, because of the joy that was set before him, because of the eyes on the prize. And I want you to know we part of the prize here. Hey, we're the reason why he was doing what he was doing. Come on. But because of his eyes being on the prize, because of that joy that was set before him, he endured. Well, one of the things that's going to help us to endure and to persevere through some tough things that we need to persevere through is that very thing where we keep the joy in front of us. The joy, the, the anticipation of where we're going, that target, the, the eyes on the prize. Or as David in Psalm 27 said, I would have lost heart if I did not believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He would have lost heart. He would have quit if he did not believe that he was going to go ahead and get to that destination. Amen. Now, God himself is called the God of all patience. If, if God's the God of patience and, and we're new creatures in Christ created like him, as a matter of fact, one, what we read in that large portion of scripture we read in the beginning of 2 Peter 1, it said that we're partakers of the divine nature. Whoa. That means patience is not too far and lofty for you to achieve. Because if God's the God of patience and his nature is inside of you, then you have access to it. Hallelujah. And you can be one who perseveres. Now, now here's the thing. I mean, God knows we're all like kids in some way where we're riding through life and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and you know, Father God's in the car with us and we're like the kids saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? But you know, you just got to keep on going. Keep on going. With, with cheerful and hopeful endurance. And another description of perseverance is patient continuance. So patience is not just waiting. No, patient continuance. You see, patient is the attitude, but the continuance means that we're keeping on going. We're, we're, we're not static. This is not just we're, you know, we're, we're in, in a holding pattern. You, you may not be uh, uh, at your destination yet, but that does not mean that you are not actively moving towards it. As a matter of fact, we read this. We're going to skip over Hebrews 10 and go to James 1. James 1, start with verse 2. Let's read the words of the Apostle James. He said, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. 
knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So you might say, all right, we're, we're in this process. We're continuing. Yeah, we're continuing. We're continuing. And you may get weary of the continuing. But what's happening at that moment is that you may not even realize it. But patience is doing something inside of you. Patience is having its perfect work inside of you. And when you ultimately get to the destination, you're not getting to the thing that you've wanted and desired, but you're still a mess on the inside. No, you're getting to the thing that you've wanted and desired, but, but you're getting there perfect and complete. You're getting there being whole on the inside. That means that God did not just take care of getting you to the destination, but getting you there in the right condition. Get you there in the condition where you could really handle it right. Whoa, come on now. Hallelujah. So that's perseverance. Oh, time's running out. What about godliness? Godliness. Just put it simple to you. It's being like God. You know, what we talked about earlier, talking about self-control, the, the idea of... Uh, us being right in the area of our uh, uh, sexual life. But, but when it comes to godliness, that just paints the whole picture. I mean, that, that's you being like God in every aspect of the word. And it is profitable to you. I can prove it because Paul said so. This is the words of Paul, 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. He said, but reject profane and old wise fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little. But godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Hallelujah. When you allow godliness, when you allow God's nature, which is in you, his DNA to affect you, to affect the way you talk, the way you walk, the, 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 the way you process things, the way you see the world, when you allow it to not just affect your worldview, but to be your worldview. Then it's profitable to all things. It doesn't just hook you up on the other side. It hooks you up on this side too. It's profitable unto all things and it has promise of this life and that which is to come. Hallelujah. Glory to God. For sake of time, we're going to skip over Hebrews 12, but I want to go ahead and look at the last two of these, brotherly kindness and love. Brotherly kindness and love. Brotherly kindness, it's the Greek word Philadelphia. Of course, we know Philadelphia as being the city of brotherly love. Uh, Hebrews 13.1 in the Amplified Classic says it like this. Let love for your fellow believers continue. Let love for your fellow believers continue and be a fixed practice with you. Never let it fail. Isn't that amazing? The idea of your love for your fellow believers being something that, that, that you, you, you're not uh, considering this uh, a side issue. or Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. We gotta love everybody, blah blah blah. But 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 the idea of this being a fixed practice, that means that this is something that you are very much aware of, aware of the fact that you, as a follower of Jesus, 
need to go ahead and uh, 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 appreciate and treasure the bond that you have with, with the rest of the body of Christ. And you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes you should go ahead and just check it out. How many times the Bible uses the term brother and brethren? It is all over the New Testament. And what God emphasizes, he doesn't emphasize by accident. It is important for us to be able to really treasure and cultivate the bonds that we have with fellow believers. You know what? It's interesting. Some of you can be able to testify to this real good that despite your love for the family that, that you have, that you grew up with, that brought you into the world, you can meet somebody who's a fellow follower of Jesus and immediately you recognize the bond. I never met you, but I have a bond with you. What is that? That's what we're talking about. That bond is Christ. And that bond is this brotherly kindness, this brotherly love that we can go ahead and walk in towards other members of the body of Christ. But you see, if brotherly affection is referring to the, uh, the way you love your fellow believers, but then there's that word agape. And that talks about how you love everybody. And as we wrap up today, I want to look at 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, Amplified Classic. And why I want to read this before we go is if you have any idea what love's supposed to be like, or what love does, or how love acts, this will settle the issue for you. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It's not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. And we'll just read that one last phrase up at the top. Love never fails, it never fades out, or becomes obsolete, or comes to an end. Hallelujah. So this is an overview, and you can go ahead and spend time digging into each one of these one by one. But the bottom line is if you want to go ahead and get where God ultimately wants you to get to and experience what he ultimately wants you to experience, with all diligence, add these things to your faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness and love. If you do this, you'll be useful and fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you do this, then rather than being short-sighted, you have clarity of vision and be able to see clearly. And rather than being forgetful, you're going to always be in remembrance of the things that you need to remember. When you do these things, you will make your calling and election sure. And when you do these things, you'll never make fatal mistakes that is God's word for us today praise the Lord hallelujah
So, Father, we honor you today and give you glory and praise. Bless the name of Jesus. Lord, it's our heart's desire to go in this direction, to pursue you, to add to our faith, to do so diligently and have the maximum fruitfulness that you desire for us to have in our lives. Thank you, Lord. You know, you might be here today. You never took the first step of faith. See, we're hearing about adding to your faith, and you say, I'm not sure that I've ever had the faith to add to, but I sense God's talking to me today and stirring something up inside of me. And you're realizing that today your way is not working, your way has not worked, but that you are experiencing right now the tug of Almighty God on your heart to go and and to pursue him and to put your faith in him. And to allow him to be in a position to do for your life what you've not been able to do for your own life. And what nobody else has been able to do either. If that's you, whether you're watching my live stream or you're here in the room, we're going to take the first step in that direction today. The first step in that direction is to go ahead and, and, and to, to, to make a de- declaration of faith that Jesus is your Lord, a declaration of your, of your faith that he's the son of God and that you believe he died for you, that, that he was raised from the dead so that he could rescue you from your sins and that you're making a declaration today that uh, you're receiving his gift of eternal life. So with you by live stream or here in the room, I want you to go ahead and do that with me uh, today. And if you'd like to go ahead and join in and support those that are praying this for the first time, you may do that. Father, in Jesus' name, name, I believe believe that Jesus died for me and that he was raised from the dead. I confess that Jesus is my Lord. He is the Son of God. I repent. I turn my back on the way I've been going and I receive your gift of eternal life and I commit with your help and by your grace that I will live for you and only for you all the days of my life in Jesus name amen 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 so hey I'll tell you if you're if you pray that and you're watching by live stream, please contact us. Uh, you can call. Uh, we'll be here in the office tomorrow, 508-336-4110. Uh, if, if you prefer to uh, email somebody, you can go ahead and find email contact on the website, faithccenter.com. And if you're here in the room and you prayed that for the first time today, or you renewed your commitment to the Lord, come and see me right as soon as service is done. Would you stand with us today? Hallelujah. Anybody grateful for Jesus today? All right. Yeah, we got Wednesday night service. Wednesday night. And uh, uh, actually, I'm going to go ahead and be ministering on the various flows of the Holy Spirit. I've actually done a few sessions on that already, but we're going to continue that this Wednesday. And uh, always 